Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. Let's recap Fontana and possibly learn some things and build some better lineups for Las Vegas. Kyle Larson scores the most fantasy points, 71. Just seven fast lap points, just seven lap lead points for 14 hole points. That's disappointing. Was he my pick to win early in the week? Yes, I've loved him all week as a winner, but I also expected him to lead more laps, run more fast laps. Now, starting in the back because of a late adjustment they made Sunday morning, definitely hurt his chances, but I believe in my notes, if you've gone to patreon.com slash DFS and signed up for this month, you can see my notes, and you'll see in the notes that I wrote, or you can also see in the notes on the screen in front of you, there are notes here as well, but I have some notes over here on a screen that you can't see. Uh, by lap 15, by lap eight, he was already in 15th place. I don't know if he had the best car. Now, he may have had his car more tuned to long runs, and there weren't very many long runs. And when there were long runs, he wasn't really great on restarts. Didn't really have great short run speed. He was kind of digging himself out a lot of times. So he may have had really good long run speed. But by the time he was able to flex that muscle, he was already too far behind. Now, as the race unfolded, he got to where he needed to be. And what was very encouraging was that towards the end of this race, where we knew it was going to be short runs and there was going to be a lot of cautions, they were able to adjust their setup, probably adding air pressure to the tires. And he was fast on the short runs and was able to get out front and lead laps at the end. And he actually, the second to last run, I believe, which we could pull that up, was his strongest run of the race right up here until lap. That's that's uh, the clash. I want to pull up Fontana. If we were to look at laps one, I believe right here, 179 through 192, you get the Chase Elliott spin right here on lap 193. I probably should make that a little bit bigger for you. He said right here around laps 182 through 192, that 10 run was his best run of the day, which again is encouraging, meaning there's a lot of things to take from that. But as we get almost 200 laps into the race, he's getting more comfortable with the, the setup. His team is getting more comfortable with this new low downforce package. That's very good. Obviously, you want a team to be getting faster as the race progresses. You don't want them to get slow. You don't want them to get tight. You don't want them to be too loose. So that is good. But all in all, I wouldn't really take a victory lap about calling Kyle Larson. Ultimately, to me, I think that's a kind of a disappointing performance. Sure, he scored the most fantasy points, but I was expecting more. And he wouldn't have scored the most fantasy points had other drivers that were living on the edge not stepped over the line. I don't necessarily believe all around that Larson had the best car or even was the most talented driver on the day. He was the most talented in the fact that he executed when he had to. He limited his mistakes, whereas other drivers probably had better equipment or may have had more skill and talent throughout the race. They stepped over the line and Larson didn't make any mistakes. And in this package, that's kind of what we need. We don't necessarily... So we need people who have talent that can drive a loose car with more horsepower. Absolutely. And so that can pretty much take a lot of the drivers off. So it's going to be more man versus machine this year, which is awesome. It's exciting. It was great racing. Kozlowski's been talking about this. Larson's been talking about this. It's great. They nailed it. It's perfect. There's going to be wrecks, but the wrecks are failures of the human being. That is awesome. That's what we want. And so if it's going to be man versus machine, then we want to roster the good drivers. We talked about this on the Sunday show. Then from that pool, let's say you've already taken half the drivers out because they just don't have the talent. And you know the drivers that don't have the talent. So you got the drivers with the talent. And then maybe you, you cut a couple more out because you just don't believe in their equipment. Then from that smaller pool, you say, all right, of these drivers who have the skill and maybe have the machine, even if that matters, but who can execute? Who can be the closest to 100%? Who can be flawless? And so far, it's Kyle Larson. It's a small sample size. But you don't win 11 races, even in the package last year, which was much more forgiving, even though some of a handful of his races – I think the majority of his wins were not in the forgiving package. The majority of his wins were in the low downforce, high horsepower, risk reward, you better execute package. And that's what we're going to have this season. It's not very forgiving. You don't win 11 races in a season by making mistakes. You, you don't win any races. To win a race is incredibly difficult, is incredibly challenging. You have to practically be flawless and to win one race, let alone 11. 
So we're already seeing him again do that. But again, before you do like a victory lap, oh, Kyle Larson, I called that. I I think it was a little disappointing. Now, the chalk comes through with Kurt Busch and Eric Almirola and Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick was the highest owned. Kurt Busch was second most owned in Eric Almirola. So, yeah, it worked. It's great. If you just stacked in the back, congratulations. You nailed it. But you had to get a little – you had to get absolutely weird and different here by playing Eric Jones and Daniel Suarez in the optimal lineup. Or Austin Dillon. Uh, He didn't fit in the optimal lineup. Or if you played him or whatever, but – those were definitely lower owned. Let me see what was Austin Dillon's ownership. Uh, Austin Dillon probably wasn't too low. Let's see. Austin Dillon was at 9%. Daniel Suarez was at 7%. And Eric Jones was at 9%. So those are very low owned. Uh, credit to anyone who was able to nail that lineup. No real credit here for Kurt Busch and Eric Amaral. As I went on, uh, I took my stand on the live show with Cruz. If you watched, again, that's patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. If you want to support the show, the podcast, the spreadsheet, have access to all this different data, raceforthepride.com is another way that you can get there. I took a stand against these guys, and I was feeling pretty good about it. Um, my stand was to go against the ownership, which I did, and I was successful in avoiding big-time chalk ownership, right? Harvick, number one owned at 45%. Bush, 44.6. Almirola, number four at 34.4. That was good. That was fine. And my moves, my pivots, along with Cruz, was to take Tyler Reddick. Now, it didn't work out because he wrecks at the end, but our whole stance was, sure, if you want to play guys just simply because they're starting in the back and you want to abandon all the research that you've done and all the knowledge and information, that's okay. That is completely fine. But my stance was I'm going to take a driver who has skill, who can get extra side force because we talked on and on about how these cars lack side force. And if you're willing to get on the wall, that is a way where you can get the suction next to the wall and get that uh, whatever, however it works, that air bubble traps in and keeps the car down on the track so you can get extra speed we've seen reddick do it at homestead we've seen reddick do it uh, mainly at homestead i'm trying to think if there's another track where he has really glued himself to the wall but we know that that is something that no one him and larson are the best at we're doing it and obviously larson wins the race and if it wasn't larson winning the race it was going to be tyler reddick that wins this race and he stepped over the line but my stance was and this is going to be my stance again in las vegas because at las vegas you've got a a similar situation. It's not as rough as Fontana, but the bottom groove in turns one and two at Las Vegas is really bumpy. And that's going to upset the car. It's going to cause you to get loose. And if you get loose in the bottom, you are toast. So the alternative is what we predicted would happen in the race. We saw people running in practice. We said, they're going to run near the wall. They're not going to go down to the bottom because if you get loose on the bumps at Fontana, you're going to lose, lose and go wild. It's best to get loose up top so that you just kiss the wall. And for the most part, everyone ran near the wall, as we predicted. Las Vegas is going to present a similar situation where if you get loose on that bottom, you are going to end your day early. So you better go up and run up top. Now, you probably got to wait a little bit for the top to come in, at least the wall to come in. The top will probably be fine. But the preferred groove, one of the fastest ways around Las Vegas that not everyone can handle is dealing with the bumps. We've seen Martin Truex Jr., if you watch my podcast from the 2018 Las Vegas review, was really good at setting his car up to go over the bumps at Las Vegas. Will anyone be daring enough to do that? Will any crew chief be able to do that? Will any driver be skilled enough to do it? Because if a driver is able, now they don't have a limited amount of practice time. It's going to be a gutsy call. But if you can set up and have the skill, because anyone can run that top. Some people are going to be better at the top than others, but most people will be able to run the top. No one's really going to flirt with the wall, except for the people that, like Hamlin got up on the wall when he needed to. Elliott was on the wall, even though he's not really a wall guy, and you saw it didn't necessarily work out for him at times. But we know Larson will be at the wall of Las Vegas. No problem rostering him. Reddick, again, I have no problem rostering, just like I had no problem rostering him at Fontana, because my decision was, I'm not just going to play guys in the back. I want guys with skill, because this is a package that rewards skill. And it was clear, it was obvious, and that's absolutely what played out. And I was on the right side of ownership, and everything was looking good. But the problem with that is it's a risky gamble because they could wreck running on the wall. It's going to be the same situation at Las Vegas. And I'm going to take the same gamble again because if it works, then I'm going to separate from the rest of the field. It didn't work today. Should have gone with it. Well, I don't 
I mean, I again, I can't guarantee results, but I can guarantee process and a system and my system eventually over the long run, if you stick to it, it should work out. I want to go with skill until I see otherwise. Now, Las Vegas, like I said, if someone can set up to run both grooves, even though they're not going to have to all the time, but if you can, when you need to, that driver is going to win the race. You're not going to really probably be able to see that in practice. And I don't know if you'd really want to mess around with it in practice. As we saw at Fontana, people trying to run the bottom was an absolute disaster and a problem. And they really can't afford to tear up any more cars, but maybe somebody will give it a shot. And, and maybe we won't know. And we'll just have to, you know, guess. There'll have to be a hypothesis surrounding, not really a hypothesis. We'll just have to guess and come up with, you know, hypothesis. This is, this is a hypothesis. And then we're just going to have to come up with questions of who do we think might do that. Kyle Larson might do that. Brad Kozlowski might do that. I don't know. Tyler Reddick will run wherever he wants to run. Obviously. Anyway, so I went to Reddick. I like Reddick a lot. We like these dirt track guys. I don't didn't end up on Briscoe, but he adds to. And this whole dirt track thing could definitely be a very strong narrative going even now. When we get to some tracks, we can dial that down. But Fontana, absolutely. The dirt track narrative played out as I thought it would. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go to raceforthepries.com, check any of my articles this week, check out my Twitter feed before the race. It was definitely a thing. Um, Stenhouse looked good. Stenhouse going. I didn't record a Nashville podcast, did I? I didn't do it, but I told people I was going to talk about Nashville. I know we talked about it. I think I talked about it with Cruz on one of his shows. And the Nashville notes are available. And Stenhouse was awesome at Nashville. And that's why I really like Stenhouse. I also liked Almarola. Of these chalky guys, I liked Almarola because A, he was strong in that Nashville race. That Nashville race, I thought, stood out to me because last year it was the only real intermediate track where you had low down force and high horsepower. It wasn't the only metric that I was using, but it was definitely in my bag of tricks. It was definitely one of the, the tools I was using, one of the key data points. And it was absolutely correct. I should have recorded a video, but I did talk about it, I believe, in Cruz's late night stream. We might have talked about it in the morning show. But if you look at who ran well in that Nashville race, Eric Amarola, who also ran well in that Nashville race, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who won that Nashville race, Kyle Larson. Uh, William Byron was very good in that race. William Byron was good in this race. Chase Elliott was good in that race. He was good in this race. Uh, Kyle Busch, I believe, had an issue late in that race. Kyle Busch was fine in this race. We can look at his lap times if you really want to go crazy. Like, if you really want to evaluate Kyle Busch because he got trapped lap down, what you would want to do is look at his times and let's see. I mean, now. He's never really probably pushing it that much because there's no real point because he's so many laps down. He's just staying on the lead lap. But I mean, for a guy who doesn't have to push it, his laps were fine. Right? There was all I had to do was just stay like the next car I lap down. He was fine. It would have been interesting to see if he could have spent more time on the lead lap, what Kyle Busch would have had. Now, obviously, before he had his issue, he looked fine. Then he has his issue, and, well, the whole complexion of the race changes for him. Anyway, so Nashville was, was a key point to look at, and uh, the dirt track thing. So, again, I was taking drivers that I thought had skill, who could wheel the car. I liked Stenhouse a lot. He was wheeling it around. He looked good. They tended to fade a little bit at the end. What got him, and I'll go to my notes here, was, what was the thing? Let me search. Let me search real quick. Stenhouse. I mean, he's run. Just a second. I have a note here about something happening to him. Oh, Stenhouse loved this car, but he just kept getting in the wrong line on restarts. And you saw how mad these restarts were. And I would expect the restarts probably not to be as crazy. But Las Vegas is kind of a wide track. But his issue was he just kept getting in the wrong spot on restarts. And you saw how these guys were taking each other three wide, four wide, side drafting each other. And if you lose five, six spots on a restart, then you spend the rest of that run trying to dig yourself out. The car looked fast. I imagine if we look at Stenhouse's long run speed laps and, and if they are good, then that's very encouraging. Again, I'm not trying to like reach some sort of confirmation bias about how I was right. I obviously was wrong. The chalk play guys in the back 
was the right play. But I want to see that what was I off base by that much, or was it just the Rex didn't go my way? And I'm pretty sure it was just that the Rex didn't go my way. I liked Bush, and we saw what happened to Bush. I liked Ham- Hamlin. I think was that was a miss. That was a mistake on my part. JGR did not look very good, so it goes. I would just look at Stenhouse's last run here. Those are pretty encouraging lap times. So here he is on lap 191 in dirty air. He's a second slower, but Larson's out in clean air, and that's comparing him to Kyle Larson. The speeds aren't that far off. Yeah, he, obviously Larson's going to fire up a lot faster on lap 180. He's in clean air. Stenhouse is in traffic. Five laps into the run, Stenhouse is running 167.1 in traffic, Stena- and Larson a 167.9. So he's not far off. Is he as good? I don't know. But let's see. Let's look at some of these earlier runs where he was up in clean air and comparing to some of these other guys. All right, I mean, you can just see at the green that his green is extending further than others. Or looked pretty good to me. All right, I should just go through these guys and just talk about them. So Larson looked good. Kurt Busch overall. Um, Battle through adversity was fine. It's a lot of these guys, it was just survival, though. They didn't wreck. I mean, Eric Amarola, Kurt Busch, Kevin Harvick really weren't doing anything all day. But you get enough wrecks, you get enough cautions. And that's where you would really want to look at the lap-by-lap data before. Because, look, yes, did they finish in the optimal lineup? Cool. But does that mean you want to play them at Las Vegas? Just because they scored points because of their starting position, does that mean that they were good and comfortable in these cars? Their average position suggests probably not. Kurt Busch had an average running position of 21st. If you're joining me in the audio version on Spotify or Apple or on Amazon or however you're listening to it and can't see it on the screen, Eric Amarola's average running position, he finished 16th. His position was 17th. His, the average running position for Harvick was 20th. He finishes 7th. That's a 13 difference between their average running position and their actual finishing position. This feels like old school Fontana results. We rewound the clock and we went back to the way that if you listen to the podcast way back in the day, before the fan vice days, when we compared this race to like a mini Daytona because of just from a DFS perspective, because you've got these late race cautions that shook things up. And you can go through the fantasy NASCAR spreadsheets and look at previous Fontana races and you'll see that half the lineup were guys that where did they come from? Well, these names seem like, oh, well, that's not a surprise. But when you look at where they were running, it is a surprise. But it's not a surprise given that the cars were loose and we got a bunch of cautions at the end that set all this up. So if we just look here, uh, let's sort it by their finishing position. And then we'll kind of just track some of these guys' runs. And my main point here with Harvick is just to see, before you go crazy rostering Harvick, the first, what, 100 laps, he's not getting past 20th. Let me say that again. We are 90 laps into the race, and Kevin Harvick has not cracked the top 20. Kurt Busch has not cracked the top 23. Now, we can make an excuse for Kurt Busch, kind of, because he had to do the wave around, or had to do the pass-through, but he got right back on lap 19. He was starting 29th, so yeah, he lost out on 20 laps, but still... This, does, this is not very encouraging if you are thinking about rostering Kevin Harvick at Las Vegas, a track where he was pretty strong in the past. Last time we had a low-down force package, 2018, he won eight races. My concern with him is, and this was my concern heading into this race, Kevin Harvick hates running the wall. Kevin Harvick loves running the bottom. You could not run the bottom groove at Fontana. It's too dangerous in this package. It's going to be the same situation in Las Vegas. In turns one and two, it's too bumpy. I would not be surprised, as I called the competition caution today, for Las Vegas to try to maybe grind turns one and two, possibly put some resin on the track in turns one and two to try to do whatever they can to not make it as volatile. I hope they don't. I hope they leave it crazy and we just see the men separate from the boys and we'll see some really gutsy, wild driving. So Las Vegas, don't touch that track. Now, Kevin Harvick loves running the bottom. He's going to be prevented 
from doing that. He can't do that at Las Vegas. He's going to have to run out of his comfort zone towards the top, and we see what happens here. Look, I mean, they just aren't good. Here it is. We are on lap 152, and Kevin Harvick is just sitting in 18th place. Kurt Busch is just sitting in 20th place. Eric Almirola had just spun. Now, Eric Almirola looked better. But again, I liked Eric Almirola based on what he had done last year at Nashville. Even New Hampshire, he won that race in a low, downforce, high horsepower race. He spun out. So that's bad. But he works his way back up. But at least Almirola had driven his way to the front and looked good. Harvick, not the case. Bush, not the case. Again, I'm not saying that to be upset. Oh, you're just you're just jelly because you didn't play the chalk. No, I don't care. I'm trying to help you and myself before we say, oh, yeah, these guys scored a bunch of points last week. Let's jam them in this week. Yeah, they did score a bunch of points, and they were helped out. Now, that's not to say they can't be helped out again next week. If we got cautions in Stage 3 this week, Stage 3 is longer next week. There are more laps next week. They got to drive through turns 1 and 2 more times. We're this, 200 laps this week. There's going to be 270-ish laps next week. There could be plenty of cautions in Stage 3. And the track is not as wide. When we get restarts, it's probably going to be hairier. And when you spin out, you are closer to the wall. Uh, like... At Fontana, you could spin out at the bottom and spin for days. If you spin out at Las Vegas, it's a better chance on that more narrower track that you're going to hit the wall. On that narrower track, you are going to take somebody with you, and then the carnage unfolds. We've seen this in Stage 3 at Las Vegas before. You can check through previous podcasts to see that. All right, let's talk about... So, Austin Dillon is not on my radar, was not on my radar. Average running position of 16th. He finishes a lot better. At the end of this race, we see several guys just pop onto the radar screen. We saw some of the guys that we loved fall off the grid completely. Let's mention those. Christopher Bell looked good. Mechanical issue. The tires went down. Your tires go down. You run the risk of a game over. Brandon Cruz, and I talked about this, notably talking about the Brad Kozlowski issue where he wrecked and it took seven years to get the car off the track. When you blow those tires, bad things can happen. I think the chassis and most of the parts were fine. But once the tires go out, you can have some serious issues. William Bryan was running great. I don't know. I felt like I was watching this in slow motion. I was watching out of the corner of my eye because I was doing something else. I saw, well, Tyler X going slow. Something's going on. And then William Byron just runs into him. Like, wait, how did that happen? It looked like he was going slow forever. It looked like Reddick had that tire going down forever. How did Byron run into him? And I still haven't watched the replay there. But either way, Byron looked good. Byron was good in that Nashville race. Worth noting, someone to look for. Uh, Busher, we thought he would wreck. Now, I thought he might be an interesting GPP play, but we look at Busher in the past, when his career came to life, it was in high downforce. He was not necessarily a good driver in the low downforce package. We saw him spin out in practice, we saw him spin out in the race. Harrison Burton, wrong place, wrong time. Brad Kozlowski was looking good. He was another hedge. It was Bowman, Reddick, Kozlowski, the drivers, the guys getting behind the wheel. And Kozlowski was up there running. Looked like he could attack at any time. And uh, but Walsh just took him out. Let me look at some of his laps real quick before... I do that because I don't want to. I don't want confirmation bias because obviously I liked Kozlowski, so it feels like I'm talking myself into thinking that that was a good pick and that he just got wrecked. I want to make sure that was he actually running pretty good. He was doing okay. He'd only run seven laps inside or three laps inside the top five, just 22 inside the top 10. I thought he had run better than that. He went to the back as well. Let's see, he works his way up to the front. He gets his high, he's running around 10th, running around 10th, and he's in ninth place when he gets, is that when he gets taken out? No, uh, I don't know what that issue is. That looks like a pit road penalty type of thing, or just an extended stay on pit road, whatever it was. He gets back up to eighth place, that's when he gets taken out. So, Kozlowski, I think ultimately that was a disappointment, that was a miss. And maybe those cars aren't ready yet. Um, I want to believe in the drivers with skill. And I want to believe that all these cars are equal. Cliff Daniels tweeted out that they cannot carry anything over from last season. These cars are completely different. And that's the race winner. The crew chief of Kyle Arsene saying, everything we know from last year doesn't count. That's good news for Bakasovsky and his team. That's good news for Roush. Things might be even. 
things might be more in the driver's hands, making things even more even in this package. And I want to believe, but it was not a very good day for Brad Kozlowski. That was a miss. Alex Bowman, I think, was a sneaky awesome play that looked like it could have worked. And even though it shouldn't have been sneaky awesome, right? He won here in 2020. What was his ownership? His ownership was, was he in the... 20%. So he was the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12th most owned. I can't believe Kyle Larson was only 27% owned. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. What are we doing, people? Are you guys watching these races? What is going on? How are people not playing Kyle Larson in this race? I don't get it. I had 100% Kyle Larson. I don't, I don't know. People are just not doing any homework, I suppose. Um I mean, I get like anybody can wreck, but probably wasn't going to be him. Probably wasn't going to be the guy that's running against the wall. He's probably going to be able to, with this new composite body, be fine. Anyway, uh, I like Bowman, and I will like Bowman again at Las Vegas. He's uh, ran well here the last couple times. I will like Tyler Reddick again. Who are some of these? Uh, not, okay. Haley was running well. Where was he before he wrecked at the very end? He was almost... He's in 15th place. That would have he might have been in the optimal lineup if he doesn't spin out right here. He's in 12th place when he wrecks at the white flag. He's optimal lineup. He probably adjusts. I mean, I could probably do the math real quick. If he finishes 12th, would he have slotted one of these guys out? If he would have finished 12th, I almost guarantee that he would have taken one of these guys' spots. He would have been a chalk play. I had some Haley. I liked Haley just. I don't know, because he was cheap and he was back there. That was it. That, was, <laughs> that wasn't that was research-based. That was, well, I'm going to go ahead and play this one by and back. By and back. But it didn't work out. Uh, BJ McLeod, and Cruz and I talked about this. If these guys just go out there and don't wreck, they'll be fine. And I wonder how far off he finished 22nd. I think I ended up dialing him down to like 25th. But on the, the light late night stream, I had these guys all around 20th place saying, look, if we get you know a 33% rec rate, which we basically did, then through there, we did the math and we calculated like, yeah, these guys just simply by running and not doing anything. And if we get the rec rate as we predicted, they'll finish around 20th, but it still wasn't enough fantasy points. So that was right. You can go check, check the tape. Uh, if you go to racefortheprize.com, I've got a link to it, and you can click the link and go right to the part where I jump in at 1 hour and 33 mark if you don't believe me. But cool, great. You called it. Awesome, dude. Great. What's it matter? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was thinking about it at least. Uh, Bubba Wallace wrecked. Not a surprise there. We all expected that. Ryan Blaney raced a lot better than I thought he would. That was an absolute miss on my part. That one could have bit me. He looked really good, and I would imagine he's going to look really good at Las Vegas again, I'm flying through his numbers, but man, he ran a lot of laps inside the top five. He ran a lot of laps inside the top 10. He just did not get the finish that he deserved because they have a bad pit stop at the very end. I don't know if I have this in my notes. I think that was it. Uh, pit road issue, loses a bunch of spots. I don't. Th I think he had two bad pit road stops. Yeah, so he was in second. Terrible on pit road, and then they have another really bad stop on pit road. I wonder if I've got something in the notes down here for that. Restart. Brings out the caution. Leaders all take four tires. Um, you want me to pull up the pit data? What do you think? You guys want to get really nerdy and want me to pull up the pit data and see what exactly happened on his pit stop? Of course you do. You can't help yourself, you you nerds. Well, I'm the nerd. All right, so if you are listening to the audio version, thank you for joining us. Please, guys, as I pull this up, subscribe to the channel, like the videos, share the videos, consider going to raceforthepride.com if you want this data or if you just want to support the work that I'm putting in. At raceforthepride.com, you can click on the link to the Patreon, or you can just type in patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS, and you can see this intensive, extensive, comprehensive data. And what we're going to do right now is look at the lap by lap. No, we're going to look at the pit stops. Now, I could sort it. I'm just going to sort it by Blaney, and hopefully this is the fastest way to do this. I could sort it by the lap. 
I'm going to have to because this thing doesn't want me to control F when I'm using Screencastify. All right, on the last pit stop, there's Ryan Blaney on lap 192. We are pitting for four tires, and he, has, he loses seven spots. He comes in at fifth, leaves 12. Isn't this amazing, the data at your hands that you can go through, and you can take this and plug it into whatever systems and algorithms that you have if you go to patreon.com slash DFS. There it is. Seven spots on that stop. He had a great day. I was not on Ryan Blaney, but maybe I won't be on him again if he's going to have terrible stops like that. Let's look at the, the previous pit stop for Ryan Blaney. See how many spots he lost on that one. I think it was another six spots. Uh, I wish that I could do... Control F. Here's on lap 174. Blaney lost nine spots. He came in second, goes out 11th. 12.8. That wasn't, that's not terribly slow, but it is compared to these other guys. 11.2, 11 11.3. Those are some blistering stops by those guys. That is really, really impressive. Uh, how was his in out time? In out, travel, 17, 13. Maybe lost a second, but not really. All these guys, about 30, some of them got under 29 seconds. So they got about a second right there. And then another second right here. Getting deep in the weeds. <laughs> I love it. Ah, God, I love fantasy NASCAR. I'm a, NASCAR is back, baby. It's back. All right. Continuing to look through Fontana, maybe learning some stuff to help us build some better lineups for next week. Again, Larson ran well. Not as good as I thought. Bush, Almirola. Almirola ran well. Still luckily got a finish. But it wasn't great. But he's better than these guys. He actually he overcame adversity twice. So I would say Almirola, if I had to trust any of them, Almirola would definitely be the guy that I'm looking to. Bush did not look good which doesn't surprise me. I am not high on the 2311 team. Kevin Harvick with their backup situation, with not being able to run the bottom groove, I can understand why they struggled. And I can also understand why they struggled again. All right, Austin Dillon was the guy that we wanted to look at and say, how did this come about? I'm, I'm thinking you're probably asking the same question as I am because he's one of those guys who just popped up at the end. So through the first part of this race, he is running in the 25s. I remember watching that and, and Reddick is out there leading the race and Austin Dillon's in the back. I'm thinking, what is going on? This is not good at all. All right, so he has a good pit stop. Works his way at the 17th on lap 66 at the end of the stage. Has a good pit stop, grabs five spots. Now he's running inside the top 15, and he's staying inside the top 15. He's not dropping any spots. Uh, another good day on his first pit crew here. Not losing any spots. Staying there, running in the 15s. Another good stop from his pit stop, going from 14th to 10th. Now, that could be a situation of him just picking a different groove, but I think he's probably gaining spots on pit road if I go over and look. Might as well. Let's see if he gains some spots. 132. I would really like to see like how many spots he gained overall, which you could do. Actually, I, I got that somewhere. Where do I have that? Somewhere in here I can get their, um, their net plus minus on the day. Where do I have that at? All right, we'll worry about that later. Um, lap 132, let's look and see how many spots did Austin Dillon gain on pit road. So let's see, in time, out time was 30 seconds. So in travel, 12, out, 18. That was about the average for everybody. I mean, that's basically the speed limit. Some people were able to get under 30 and hit a 29-second in and out combination. Let's see what the pit crew did for him. 10.4. That's blistering fast. He gains two spots. I want to look at his overall pit crew performance from this race. Um, they had the fifth fastest time. That was it. That was the only one that they had was a top 20. But that was a big stop. I don't even think he would have more than that. By the way, did he go two tires or something right there? Let's go back to look at that again. Why was that so fast? He took four tires, 10.4, just getting more spots. Got two spots, and they probably took a, a bottom lane, and that's how he got to 10th. Restart loses his spots. 
run into the 15s. Just run into the 15s, and then you got all these cars wrecking out. And so then he gets up to another good pit stop, choose lane inside, decent restart, stays inside the top 10. We get another restart, and looks like choose lane again. Maybe another good pit stop. He gets the sixth. Good restart. Now he's running inside the top five, just hanging with it. Other good cars have wrecked out by this time, and he takes home the top five. End of the day, though, he ran 21 laps inside the top five. It just happens that those 21 laps are at the very end of the race after a bunch of pit stops that helped him out, a bunch of really good restarts, which give him credit. Stenhouse struggled on the restarts, and that probably cost him a better fin, and it absolutely cost him. Austin Dillon wasn't very good on the long runs. We didn't have a lot of long runs. If you give me long runs... Austin Dillon loses. But you close the race out on a bunch of short runs, which we did. Um, and uh, he had good restarts. And that was that. Got to give him credit. That's something to look out for that, you know, it's not really going to show up on the spreadsheet. Guys being good on restarts. You got to find like your own kind of algorithm to calculate that. And you got to put in your own homework to kind of keep track of that. You could build a spreadsheet that would do this, or you can just start taking notes and having that as like a tiebreaker. I don't want to necessarily want to just Ross Ross and Dylan because of restarts, but it is it is a thing that's going to help him like today pop into he didn't hit the optimal lineup today, but there's gonna be surprises where if he's underpriced and he's gonna be low owned, you know that well, the car's probably good enough, but if he can just get the restarts, he definitely has a good pit crew. So that's a tiebreaker, and that's something that, you know, if he's going to be low-owned and he's going to be cheap, well, you can say, look, you could probably justify rostering him based on him being cheap or him being lower-owned and also having the pit crew, which other people are just not going to weigh. That's not going to show up in anyone else's systems. It's not going to show up in any articles or any fantasy content. Eric Jones is awesome. I don't know how the hell that happened. You watched him run up front the entire race. Uh, No one has ever doubted his skill. Would like to have seen him perform a little bit better at JGR in the equipment that he had. But if this car is all about skill and maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to jump on the Eric Jones bandwagon. But for this day, this Fontana race, he was electric. He looked great. We cannot pour enough praise on Eric Jones in this race. 143 laps inside the top five. That was the most more than any other driver, more than Larson, more than Reddick, more than Elliott. He didn't make any mistakes. So not only was he mistake-free, not only did he keep his car clean, running 196 of the 200 laps inside the top 10. 98% of the laps inside the top 10. He didn't make mistakes. What did I say earlier in the podcast? We want the drivers that are wheelmen. We want the wheelman. We want the skill. We want the guy with the talent. And when we separate the men from the boys, and then the last criteria that we are looking for, the last prerequisite is someone that's not going to make mistakes, like Kyle Larson, who won 11 races last season. He's going to make some, but he's going to make fewer than others. Well, it looks like Eric Jones may be in that category as well. He didn't make any mistakes today. Wow. Uh, Daniel Suarez, I think, is going to be kind of the same situation as Austin Dillon, where, well, we'll look. We'll look and see exactly how did Daniel Suarez get here. Um, average running position 14th, very similar to Austin Dillon's 16th. Gets this amazing finish. No fast lap points, no lap sled points. Where did he come from at the end, you were probably asking yourself. Well, first of all, Tyler Reddick wrecked out. Alex Bowman wrecked out. William Byron wrecked out. Chase Elliott wrecked out. Uh, Truex struggled. Kyle Busch was lapsed down. Um... The door was wide open. You know, the opportunity was there for anyone that wanted it. Harvick was struggling. I mean, it was who wants this thing? And at the end of the race, like the only person left was Kyle Larson. It's like, who's going to, all the other contenders were gone. So it was just Larson and the pretenders. It was Larson versus, you knew on that restart. Okay, Austin Dillon, fine. Okay, Eric Jones, it's great. Okay, Dana Suarez, it's great that you're here, but... Thanks for participating. It's over. And he knew when Suarez pulled the lead, like, all right, that's fine. Just here we go. And Larson just blows right by him in a non-preferred groove, just runs right by him in the middle. And and that's that. 
Anyway, so how did where did Suarez come from? Where was he running this entire time in this track house car? And there were times where his teammate Ross Chastain was looking good before he wrecked. But look, that was it was that was almost predestined. You knew Crash Stain was going to Crash Stain was wrecking in high downforce cars. Ross was wrecking cars that were easy to drive. Ross is absolutely going to tear up some equipment in cars that are too hot to handle. I don't know what to tell you. If you thought he was going to run that race clean, then you just don't know Ross Chastain. He can win a race. He can be aggressive. He can put on a show one time out of five. The other four times, he's going to be on the hauler. Did you see his wreck on Saturday? Well, that was a mechanical failure. Was it? You sure it was? Okay. I'll take your word for it. All right. So Suarez running in the top 15 to be in the race. And then he's dropping. We get a little bit of a lengthy run here after the competition caution. Still is in 15th place. Uh, he's not going forward by any stretch. By lap 70, by lap 53, the next run, he's in 17th place. Not really having a good day on pit road either. Uh, bounces back, decent restart there. And on lap 66, he's in 33rd place, 13th place by the end of stage one. And then he loses spots back to 15th. So he's running around 15th. Not terrible for this track house team, by the way. Lap 92, I don't know if he got hit with a penalty or had a really slow pit stop. Let me see if I got something in my notes. Not that I really am super concerned. 11 stays on track, prevent overheating issue. 14 takes a penalty. Did Suarez just have a really slow stop? Might as well look it up since we're being super ridiculous nerds here on this Fontana recap. I was only going to talk for a couple minutes. This thing is dragged on. God, I hope someone subscribes to this channel. Uh, Suarez, what was it? I think he had a super long pit stop. Lost 16 spots. They must have been working on something, a 98-second stop. Because if you look at his average, now that throws, that's one of the problems with some of the ways I do data for these I need to change that to cut off some of these ridiculous times, and I will because there's an easy code that I can pop in to fix that. But because of that 98-second pit stop right there, if you go over here, it's going to show that Suarez overall – look, Suarez has four top 20 stops on the year, but his average is actually today was 21.4. Like, Why is his average so bad today? Why are these guys' averages so bad today? Well, their averages is because they were wrecked on pit road. So they took four tires, but they were working on something else. They have these really long times. I need to fix that code-wise to throw out um, unconventional stops, you know, where they're doing chassis changes, packer changes, fixing cosmetic damage, you name it, so that that average doesn't show up here. But that's why he lost all those spots. He probably had something mechanical that they were working on. Maybe he had gotten into the wall. I'm not really sure. Let's see how he bounces back from that. He drives from 28th to 22nd. Then he gains some more spots on pit road, gets up to 17th. And running back in where he was before. So we're laps 122 through 131. He's running in the top 15. Gets some spots on pit road, laps 137 through 152. He's climbing forward a little bit. He's getting up to 10th place. Now we are getting a couple good cars that have wrecked out. So there is a little bit of attrition there. He may not necessarily be passing better cars, but as people are making mistakes, which he isn't making, give Daniel Suarez credit. That's what we need to see. His teammate, Ross Chastain, can't say the same thing about him. Suarez is running a clean race. Very similar to Austin Dillon. They're running a clean race. They're making the right moves on pit road. He's having good restarts, another feather in his cap that we should commend him for, and he's just hanging in there and getting the job done. It's pretty much a similar situation. If you look at the data points, it's almost the spitting image to what Austin Dillon did. He didn't run into the wall, and as the contenders knocked themselves out of the race, he just made sure to execute on pit road, and he made sure to execute on the restarts. And we can see, if you look at the pit road data for – Suarez. Now, obviously, the average stuff is mixed mixed up. Is that some sort of like Mexican uh, Freudian slip? <laughs> what was that? Uh, he's got four top 20 pit stops this season and one top 10. And how many came from this race? Let's look at overall. So Suarez had the – Amarillo had a pretty good day on pit road. Amarillo had three top 20 pit stops on pit road. That's impressive. 
Four has had one, two, two top 20, one, two, two top 20 stops. That's good enough to get your job done. All right. I think that explains this. Now, will I want to roster Suarez and Dylan? I'm not really crazy about it, but I probably crossed their names off. I, I absolutely crossed their names off way too quick. So, again, we'll go back to some of the points. I want to roster drivers that have skill and are going to be able to wheel these cars. Okay, I you know, let's, let's break that down. That's true. And then we also say, but I don't want the guys that are going to make mistakes and wreck. Okay, so then we are assuming that there will be wrecks. That means there's going to be points to be gained through attrition. That also leads to drivers that are smart, they're wise, and they're not stepping over the line. They're going to get attrition points. That's Daniel Suarez. So Daniel Suarez' game is not going to be, I'm going to be the most aggressive up-on-the-wheel driver. My game is going to be, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to run the best that I can, but not step over the line, and just hang in there and wait for my chance. And I'm going to try to execute on pit road, and I'm going to try to execute on restarts. It's a different game plan. But Daniel Suarez made it work. It was a different game plan for Austin Dillon, but he made it work. And if that same strategy can absolutely work at Las Vegas, I don't necessarily feel really comfortable rostering those guys. I didn't want to roster them at all at Fontana, and I didn't. But now I'm going to have to force myself to give them a hard look at Las Vegas. Most people don't listen to my podcast. Right? I, this isn't awesome, though. This isn't Roto Grinders. I am small potatoes. And even the people that listen to this podcast did not make it this far into the podcast. Thank you for hanging in there with me. If you did, here's your reward. Most people are going to look at Austin Dillon and say, I ah, just got lucky and got that finished. They're going to look at Austin, Daniel Suarez and say, He just got there because everybody wrecked out. And part of that is true. But if you take that mindset, you're not going to play Austin Dillon and you're not going to play Daniel Suarez and his ownership is going to be low. But they need to get some credit for what they did. Their game plan worked out. Their approach worked out. Their plot. Their, I mean, they almost approached this like DFS thinking, look, other guys are going to wreck out. I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to rope a dope this thing. And eventually we're going to get ourselves in the top 10. And if we get lucky, maybe we'll get in the top five. And that's exactly what happened. Slow and steady won the race. They didn't try to win on the first lap. They didn't try to win on the 15th, 20th, 50th. They didn't try to win the race in stage two. They knew I just need to be there at the end. And the only way that I'm going to be there at the end is if I'm there at the end. No reason to push it up against the wall. No reason to go crazy throughout the race. Let's just not lose spots. Let's hang in there. Let's execute on pit road, get some there, and let's make sure that we're good on restarts and avoid the wrecks. And we will be there at the end. And it absolutely worked right like they planned. And why not have that same exact strategy at Las Vegas? If I'm Austin Dillon, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If I'm Austin Dillon, I'm not all of a sudden going to think that I'm Superman and tear off my suit and pop out the S of the chest and throw the cape out and say, you know what, we are freewheeling at Las Vegas. Hold on, we wall, here I come. No, it's going to be the same approach. Slow and steady wins the race. Let's be smart out there. Let's get some points if we can, but let's hang on. It almost worked last week for a win. It'll definitely work again for a top 10 because if they were wrecking last week, they're definitely going to be wrecking again this week. So Dylan Suarez, definitely on my radar. Logano looked really good at the end of that race, someone that I want to consider rostering. He was really starting to click. I think things were figuring it out. Logano has been good at Las Vegas in the past. Uh, Briscoe had moments where he was really good, kind of fell apart. Since this podcast is going really long, I'm not going to go too deep. Custer did what I thought he would. I could do a little bit better, but early in the week, this guy that I constantly talked about had himself a great weekend. I expect a lot of big things from Mike Shiplett. Maybe not big things from Mike Shiplett and Cole Custer this season, but better things from Mike Shiplett and Cole Custer. That tandem was very good in the low downforce cars, in the Xfinity series, getting out of those high downforce cars, getting more experience. It's going to be better days, especially if he's getting extra Xfinity laps. Guess what, folks? Those Xfinity laps seem to have paid off. I will not be surprised if we see more drivers start to say, you know what, I'm going to buy a ride down in the Xfinity Series. If I'm Tony Stewart, if I'm Rick Hendrick, if I'm any of these top tier owners, I'm seriously considering expanding at this moment, buying some rides in the Xfinity Series, getting my drivers some extra reps, especially early in the season. Why wait? I mean, Las Vegas, 
I will definitely want to buy a car. Give me that Bobby Dodder car. Uh, kick Timmy Hill to the curb. Kick some of these guys to the road for a week and let me have my guy down there. Even if my guy is not in the best equipment and my guy's not going to have a good race, I just want him to get more reps. I want him to get more practice time. I, I just don't see why you wouldn't do that. Now is the time. And if you can get that time on a track, you can build that data. You can start getting ahead of some of these other teams. I don't think they're going to. Maybe they will. I don't know. That's I, Let's look at that. I cannot wait to see this entry list. I'm excited to see the entry list. Stenhouse was good. Bad restart. We can go with that data, but again, we're not. That's something you can do on your own if you have access to the spreadsheet. Bo Wallace wasn't terrible in the end, considering he got in that wreck. But average running position of 25th. Daniel Hemrick uh, was tons of laps down, so that was his whole thing. Haley ran, Haley ran a lot better than he – no, I mean, he ran better. He started in the back. He wasn't terrible. Uh, Truex, incredibly disappointed. Big miss on my part. Big miss. I don't know what happened. I got to find out what, what's going on with Small, what's going on with Truex, what was their issue in this race. I don't have anything in my notes because he was just nowhere to be seen. I'm sure the information will come out. That was very disappointing. I thought he would run better. I thought they would figure it out. But across the board, JGR didn't look that great. Now, we know Kyle Busch. We didn't really get to see the real Kyle Busch. Christopher Bell looked good until he suffered – his, you know, just what looked like shouldn't have been terminal of a wreck, but it was terminal. And we saw that uh, Hamlin was having overheating issues. Bush, like, cut the sand in the car. Like, what are you going to do? What a terrible break. Um, I don't know what happened with Truex. Other guys, let me talk about it. All right. Thanks for joining me for the Fantasy NASCAR podcast. At some point, I will recap the Xfinity race. There's Las Vegas content already up on my YouTube page. There will be more Las Vegas content coming your way. I am sure that Cruz is working on some videos. You can always check out my free DK Nation articles. Thanks for joining me. Raceforthepride.com. That's where you can go to get access to the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet by clicking on this red button that says Brandon Cruz DFS. That takes you to the Patreon. And that's patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. Check that out. If you want to get weird, you can go to my blog and read the constrained vision. If not, no big deal. Uh, plenty of DFS content. I'm trying occasionally to put stuff here at raceforthepride.com to help you out. Look, like, there's the dirt thing I told you about. I posted that this morning at 8.41 a.m. Slick and worn out auto club. Blah, blah, blah. Briscoe's talking about it. Um, so there's a bunch of stuff there. I hope I'm helping you out. If I am helping you out, please think about supporting uh, me and Brandon Cruz on Patreon. And uh, we'll try to do our best to keep providing good content. Have a good weekend. 52 minutes.